0: On this week's edition of Talkin' Cinema, I will be discussing part two of the Karate Kid trilogy as Miyagi and Daniel head to Okinawa and encounter some old rivalries while also forming a new one along the way. And I'll also be discussing how this film as a sequel stacks up to the original all these various many years later. All of that and more on this week's edition of Talkin' Cinema. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of Talking Cinema with your host, the one and only myself, Christoph Hankerson. And I trust that each and every one of you are having a wonderful and splendid week wherever you are across the country and the world, wherever this podcast hits you and whenever this podcast hits you. Um, I'm I'm having I'm having a pretty good day slash week, just going through the normal grind of day-to-day routines, work off days serving the community you name it i do it (laughs) this is but this is really fun this is definitely i have to admit recording this podcast every week when i do record it is definitely a highlight of the week and one of the things that i'm really looking forward to is growing the podcast growing the audience and for those of you that are are my faithful listeners. I thank each and every one of you. But, you know, in order for it to grow, you got to continue to t- tell people, you got to continue to spread the word. Word of mouth still works, folks. In the age of social media and Facebook and Twitter, and Instagram, you name it, all the big platforms and getting your news instantly, some from fake sources, some from real and reliable sources that are trustworthy. But regardless, of where and how you get your news word of mouth, even in 2020, the year of COVID, word of mouth still works, people. It still works. So continue to tell everybody, You know, tell your friends, tell your enemies, <laughs> tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your uncle. You know, <laughs> even if these certain sects of your family don't know how to use social media, or don't want to use Spotify or Apple or any other you know tech-savvy apps that those of us in the, a certain demographic know how to use pretty well, tell them anyways. <laughs> so I'd be delighted to not only grow the audience within my own demographic, but to also expand to other demographics <laughs> as well. But without any further ado, we're going to get to... Th- the important business of this week's podcast, and that is discussing Karate Kid Part 2. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have seen Part 1, and I know a lot of you that are listening probably have seen Part 2 as well, but I'm going to give a brief recap and analysis. So obviously in Part 1, Daniel moves from New Jersey to California, encounters trouble with Johnny Lawrence and his gang. You know, they, they challenge him to a fight in the all valley tournament and by luck of the draw and an illegal move which i discussed very in depth in last week's episode he wins and pretty much karate kid part two picks up right where karate the original karate kid left off the second karate kid was released on june 20th 1986 and actually as a sequel even though more people love the original and review the original all these years later the sequel actually made more money at the box office than the original just throwing that out there and basically it picks up right where the first one left off and you know miyagi is kind of talking to daniel and daniel's saying you know i've got a plan to retain my title he's like miyagi already have one for you early retirement and so basically kind of fast forward you know the sequel is set around six months after the events of the original film and that fateful valley tournament where daniel wins and miyagi receives a letter from home where he's from in okinawa that his father is very sick and it's you know it's time for you to go home and kind of take care of his affairs you know, the way a kid or the way you know a child is supposed to take care of their parents when they're about to pass on miyagi gets it and he takes daniel along with him you know, kind of expose them to Miyagi's culture. You know, in this movie, we're kind of introduced a little bit briefly to Miyagi-Do karate. And honestly, just kind of a side note, that's definitely one of the things I'm really looking forward to with Cobra Kai Season 3. They will be going to Okinawa, and they're going to be exploring more of the, the roots of Miyagi-Do karate. Because we only got to see brief glimpses of it, believe it or not, in this sequel. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about that seeing more of okinawa once again i really loved how they were able to film it in this film in this particular film but yeah basically miyagi and daniel san head to okinawa and miyagi meets up with an old rival by the name of sato who was a teacher excuse me he was one of miyagi's father so miyagi's father was actually a karate teacher he taught both miyagi and sato and those two were inseparable best of buds and then one time you know a female it's always those females i tell you she, she got into the picture and <laughs> fell for miyagi instead of him and that kind of started their feud and it's just this whole big mess and it kind of does into a lot of the themes that you know that particular culture values you know honor and Instead of fighting for points, you fight for your life. And you basically, the person that wins the fight isn't the one that scores the most points. But the person that wins the fight is the one who ends up killing their opponent. Basically, you lose a fight, you lose your honor. That means you need to lose your life, resulting in death. Whew. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty intense if you ask me. Wow. But here's some fun and interesting facts that I kind of found out. Just kind of digging up some research on this film. So, as a lot of you all know, those of you who are listening who have seen the entire franchise and are huge fans like myself, even though the movie was set in Okinawa, it was, believe it or not, they actually shot the movie in Oahu, Hawaii, and the main reason why the producers decided to go this route is because the climate in Oahu is very similar to that of Okinawa. So, you know, there's, there was that factor there. Believe it or not, a lot of Okinawans, I didn't know this was true, but a lot of Okinawans actually tend to live in Oahu. And it was very, I'm sure it was very convenient for those American, the American filmmakers, especially the ones who might not have had visas and might not have been able to travel abroad throughout the country. It was more convenient to kind of film on American soil. I'm sure that can get very difficult. That can get very dicey. So keeping it on the home turf, on the home soil, definitely health matters there. So Oahu, instead of actually filming on location, Okinawa. Mm -hmm. And... So there's so there's actually there's actually a, a scene in the beginning of the film, and I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along. But basically, you know Miyagi, you Kreese know, is kind of punishing his students for not winning the tournament, and Miyagi actually saves Kreese from choking out his star pupil Johnny Lawrence, and you know. Crease, who's literally, you know, the strike first, strike hard, no mercy mantra that he teaches his students. He's trying to carry it out on Miyagi, and he throws a couple of punches and he ends up breaking two windows. And as he was breaking those two windows, as you very well know, you're probably, this scene is probably already painting in your mind as it's in mine right now. He breaks both of his knuckles. That scene, that very scene where he did that, that was actually a hundred percent real. And it's not because he it was believe it or not, I don't think it's because he broke the windows. It's because there it was there was some kind of accident. They don't really detail it, but there was an accident on set. So the blood that you see on Crease's knuckles, that's hundred percent real. So I I just thought that was kind of interesting. You know, no stunt double or anything like that. Crease actually did, or excuse me, Marty Cove actually did bust his knuckles on set. Whew. Crazy guy. Though, as we, as I kind of noted in the last episode, there are, there are, in my opinion, a lot of connections in Rocky and the Karate Kid. For me, I see a lot of connections and parallels with Rocky's adversaries. You know, I likened Johnny Lawrence to Apollo Creed. I likened um, Ivan Drago to Chosen because they're both international, and I actually. Went the Mr. T route? I said Mike Barnes is basically the white Clubber Lang because of how much trash that he talks and how violent and ruthless and you know merciless he is. Whereas Chosen is a man of kind of a man of few words like Ivan Drago. That's main. That's the main reason why I did it. I know that Rocky Three came out before Rocky Four. I know that Mr. T's Clubber Lang was introduced before Dolph Lundgren's portrayal of Ivan Drago, who's arguably one of the most iconic villains in cinema history. I know that's true, but personality-wise, I think you know, I think Mike Barnes was more Ivan Drago, and Chosen was more, excuse me, Mike Barnes was more Clubber Lang, and Chosen was more Ivan Drago. But I was able to find another Rocky Karate Kid connection. So in my opinion, even though the original Karate Kid is my favorite film of the series, hands down, my favorite theme of all the themes that are in the Karate Kid trilogy, you know moment of truth in the original glory of love in this one and listen to your heart in the third glory of love is actually my personal favorite <laughs> and the reason why this is an interesting fact is because peter Satara actually wrote the song and originally wanted to have it in rocky IV. however so Sylvester Stallone opted for the song "Hearts of Fire" instead of this one. And as they say, the rest is, is history. I feel like "Glory of Love" fit this film just as well as "Hearts of Fire" hit fit Rocky IV during that film's montage. So sometimes it's best to leave well enough alone, and I think they I think they went the right route in that in that case. So kudos kudos to Stallone for declining "Glory of Love" for his film and. You know letting karate kid in part two have that thunder and for those of you that are fans of the tv show happy days as i was as a child watching the reruns on nick at night there's a there's a fun little song they play in the 1950s dance club that daniel and kumiko go to it is the song that was the theme song for the first two seasons of happy days you all know happy days lasts for about i believe nine or ten seasons on NBC and Rock Around the Clock was actually the theme song for those first two seasons. Reason why this is important, reason why this is fascinating. The one and only Pat Marita, Mr. Miyagi himself, actually played Arnold. He was a main cast member in season three of Happy Days, even though this particular theme was only used for the first two seasons, and they went to the theme that they used the rest of the show. You know, Pat Morita kind of being in there kind of makes that important. So it was obviously a very, it's a very good detail to bring up. So there are there are several. Now I know a lot of people I've talked to thought *Karate Kid* Part Two is is a little bit on the slower side of things after the after that first scene, you know, the action kind of slows down, and you know they focus more on Miyagi. Which actually I dug this up today. The producers were wanting the sequel they were debating on whether the sequel was going to be about Creese's revenge and the third one was going to be about Miyagi's backstory well they ended up going with Miyagi's backstory in part two and Chris obviously gets you know his revenge or attempts to get his revenge in part three on Daniel and Miyagi for you know contributing to Cobra Kai going under, even though that was kind of his own fault. And that's what we're gonna, that segues perfectly into what I'm gonna talk about with this particular scene. So I think one of the most pivotal scenes in the movie is actually the opening scene where, you know, this is, you know, Johnny has, you know, he's lost the All Valley Tournament. He lost to Daniel. Fortunately, it was a legal move. He should have won, but he loses. And Kreese is, uh, Kreese is you know, strike first, strike hard, no mercy never accepts defeat never (laughs) everything that he learned in the military he kind of took it to the max to the pretty much to the 10th degree with his cobra kai students and you know they've been loyal to him you know not just johnny but the others bobby tommy jimmy dutch the whole dojo they've been loyal to him they've you know if one thing Miyagi got right, well, Miyagi got a lot of things right, honestly. And you know, there's no such thing as a bad student. None of those kids were bad students; they just had a really bad teacher teaching them all the wrong things about karate. Yes, you want to defend yourself, and yes, in tournaments you want to win. But there's a right way to do it. There's no honor in being merciless. You no. Know? <laughs> And so, but Chris obviously doesn't see it that way. He teaches them, you know, in the streets, field of battle, a man faces you, he's the enemy, and the enemy deserves no mercy. And they pretty much play that out in the original film. And Johnny, you know, he loses. He he tells crease you know, he, I did my best. And Grease tells him, you know, you're nothing, you're a loser. Your best is winning first place. And you know, Johnny tries to stand, Johnny tries to stand up to him, and he basically tells him, you know you're the loser, man. <laughs> and then obviously offends crease. so he takes his trophy, breaks it. And then the next thing you know, Johnny confronts him and tells him, you know, you're really sick. And he he chokes, he, he chokes him with the intention of literally trying to, in more ways, one than another, in more ways than another, potentially killing Johnny. I mean, he's obviously trying to teach him a lesson, but, you know, the physical force and all the, the combat training that crease has—he literally could have killed him if Miyagi had not come over and intervened like he did. And unfortunately, for the rest of the Cobra Kai's that were trying to help, you know, they got hit as they were trying to, you know, pull Kreese off of Johnny. You know, I know he hits Bobby, and then he hit Tommy, and. You know, next thing you know miyagi comes over there you know tells him to leave him alone and you know he utters a slur towards miyagi you know tells him to beat it or oh, you're next and obviously you know, miyagi believes in fighting with honor and he also believes in defending others regardless of how they've treated you know, the cobras put daniel through they They pretty much put him through the fire for a lot of things that he for a lot of things that were done a lot of misunderstandings if you kind of look back on it but you know Miyagi, in probably one of the best forms of reverse psychology that I've seen in a film, after Crease bloodies both of his knuckles, he puts Crease on his knees and tells, You know, mercy is for the weak. We are not trained to be merciful here. You know, man, for you. he's enemy, and enemy deserves no mercy. The same exact words that Miyagi heard Crease utter in the dojo that one day when they came to organize Hall. Daniel fighting in the Hall Valley tournament. And just when you think Miyagi is going to break John Creese's nose, he goes, Yeah. And he stops. And all he does is give it a nice little honk, which was no doubt kind of put in there to keep the film PG, not borderline PG-13. But reason why, reason why that scene is so important. Is because I believe it was firmly at that very moment that the Cobras, the, all the Cobra Kais saw a giant crease for who he truly was. He was a very he was a cruel man. And I think that was pretty much summed up with what Miyagi told Daniel afterwards. And Daniel was like, you know, you could have killed him. And Miyagi said, I hey. he was Daniel's like, Well, why didn't you? And he basically tells him, because Daniel's son, for man with no forgiveness in heart, a heart as black as John Creese's no forgiveness in his heart. Living is even worse punishment than death. Very, very poignant and powerful words from Mr. Miyagi. I <laughs> That's because that's because that's so true, you know, you meet when you meet people like that in real life who are just so adamant on and angry and wanting to fight the whole entire world and you know, don't have have little to no humility or compassion. You know, them living their lives that way is 10 times is even worse than just ending it right there. So very powerful, very poignant from Miyagi. And kind of fast forwarding to the final sequence in the film, you know what I'm talking about. Here, I'm talking about the death match here, and obviously at this point, chosen he's got Kumiko, under wraps, and Miyagi kind of tells Daniel, "This is, you know, Daniel's son. This, you know." This isn't a tournament. This is for real. Basically, you're not trying to score a point on chosen. You are fighting not only for your life, but you're fighting for the life of the of Kumiko, which was his girlfriend in this movie, and which obviously Elizabeth Shue's character Allie was kind of written out. She dumps Daniel by to go out with a high school football star. Which she did and but in reality she was actually resuming her studies at Harvard. So apparently. So that basically goes to show you Elizabeth she was very smart in real life. But needless to say, Tamla Tamita, who played Kumiko in this movie, ended up being Daniel's new girlfriend. And you know, Chosen's kind of got her in a very strong headlock, Daniel has to fight for her honor, he has to fight, but not only has to fight, he has to win. This kid, I mean about six months earlier, he was just fighting in a tournament, fighting for points it goes from fighting for points to fighting for his life which begs the question, how in the world, and I'm going to talk about this even more when I review Karate Kid Part 3 next week, but how in the world do you go from fighting, in my opinion, the Ivan Drago of the Karate Kid franchise chosen to losing to Clubber Lang, the Clubber Lang of the Karate Kid franchise, Mike Barnes, who was nothing but talk and brass and finesse. He was just a punk. That kid was a punk. How do you go from... How do you go from... Beating Chosen to losing to to Mike. I I will talk a little bit more about, much more about that next week. Much more about that next week. But, you know, that death match was, that was intense. That was brutal. He attempted a lot of the moves, and one of the moves that he attempted was the crane kick. Obviously, it worked very well on Johnny, but because Sato trained Chosen the same way Miyagi trained Daniel-san, he knew it, he anticipated it to the point where... He was probably one of the few people that was able to block it, and he did. I, was, I just remember – I remember the first time I watched Karate Kid Part 2 as a kid on TV one afternoon, probably a Sunday, Saturday or Sunday afternoon, and you know, I, I saw him blocking him. I'm like, whoa, did he actually just block the crane kick? Blocked it like it was nobody's business, and as was the fights going on and on and on. Daniel, I mean – you know he got a few good licks in, but he was pretty much getting owned and getting owned in a brutal and bad way. Chosen, Chosen was just kind of reminding me of Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. I I got a feeling the creators of Mortal Kombat saw Karate Kid Part Two and were like, hmm, how can we take the character of Chosen and make him into an indestructible ninja like Scorpion? There you go. Because I just I just see so many similarities between the two. But anyways, they get to the they get to that part and eventually they they pu- they start pulling out the drums. I believe Miyagi was the first and then the rest of the village does it. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not trying to knock someone's culture, but I literally thought that was the worst thing they could have done. That was the worst use of plot armor possible. Because basically, in turn, by using that drum technique, by by making those noises. It's like, okay, you know, you're cheering Daniel up, even though Chosen should be kicking his, continually kicking his butt because he's clearly the superior fighter and he's clearly stronger. They're like, oh yeah, we'll have him outsmart him by the entire village doing this weird drum technique. I just kind of, (laughs) i stomach i try my best to stomach that part every time i watch the film it doesn't take away very much enjoyment from me i can still enjoy it no problem but still i think there was a i think they could have done something better if you're gonna use if you're gonna use plot armor for a clearly inferior fighter to beat a clearly superior fighter don't use a stupid drum technique and once again you know i'm not trying to than anybody or whatnot, but I just think that was, there was much better way that they could have handled that ending scene because clearly chosen should have won. And obviously I know good has to triumph over bad slash misled in the end, but you know, (laughs) the drum technique, I didn't think that was, I didn't think that was the best touch, but, so I obviously mentioned that, you know, with Daniel, Going from winning a tournament, winning in a death match, to struggling against Mike Barnes in Part Three, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. How does this movie stack up as a sequel? It's very decent. It, it retains a lot of the elements of the original, but in some ways, it, you know, it's it's purely it focuses a lot on Miyagi and his and his heritage and his story, his backstory, you know, how he grew up in Okinawa, you know, learning the roots of Miyagi Do karate and you know those were obviously very strong points and you know as i mentioned earlier i'm really looking forward to them exploring this in season three of cobra kai but with the ending that it had with daniel winning the death match getting the girl and miyagi beaming that smile again a lot of people, myself included, have been floating around, Have a lot of people have floated around articles and said that the, the third movie should have been the second movie, and the second movie should have been the third movie. Well, I can't say that I don't agree with that. I mean, you know, I think the way that they ended the second film, that would have been a perfect way. I mean, you know, he wins. I know. I know the directors wanted to go the whole... Miyagi's backstory. we better do it in part two instead of part three. but I think if they have attempted to go with Kreese's revenge as part two and Miyagi's backstory as part three, I would have not been indifferent towards that. I would have been all for it because I think I personally think it would have made more sense for them to you know continue the All- Valley tournament as the, so, as the, as the title for, as the, the main plot line for part two. You know he defeats Johnny. In the original. Perhaps for part two, increases revenge. He defeats Mike Barnes. He might he obviously might struggle with him a little bit more. Mike is a little bit stronger of an opponent, but he defeats Mike Barnes in part two. And honestly, I try. I wish they would have made him a little less overpowering, perhaps, for that one. Then in part three, they go they go to Okinawa. We learn more about Miyagi's backstory, takes on Chosen the Deathmatch, wins. Gets the girl, and instead of her opening up a J- dance studio in Japan, or Daniel actually hit it off. to get married, and <laughs> the rest, as they say, is history. Now, obviously, I know that would mess with Corporate Kai canon because obviously, me, Daniel meets the woman of his dreams later on in life. They get married, have two wonderful kids. He's the owner of the Russo Auto Company. You know, they kick the competition all across the all across Southern California, Los Angeles area. And whatnot. And I know I'm giving, giving away some major spoilers for those of you who have not watched Cobra Kai on Netflix yet, but I'm just going to say this for those of you that are listening to this episode that are huge Karate Kid fans or claim to be huge Karate Kid fans. If you, at this very moment, Cobra Kai has been on Netflix for almost a month. If you, at this moment, and are listening to my podcast, you're listening to my voice, you're listening to me talk about Karate Kid, talk about Cobra Kai, give away spoilers. If you're listening to all this and you haven't seen seasons one and two of Cobra Kai. I'm just gonna straight out say it you're not a true fan of the Karate Kid. The show has been out for over two years now. I binge watch season one, first day it aired back in May of 2018, and did the same thing for season two. I stayed up till 5 a.m. and I had to be to work two. Three hours later, but I stayed up to 5 a.m. watching season two of Cobra Kai because I could, I just could not bear going to work and going through all the responsibilities of that day, having only watched maybe two, three, four, or five episodes. I had to sit and watch it all. It's such compelling television, especially if you're a diehard fan of the Karate Kid franchise and grew up loving it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it by now, I, I, I question, I question your fandom. I question your love for the franchise, if you haven't seen it by now. But, anyways, I know it's beef rabbit chop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus it in, and bring it on home. I personally believe that Chosen was Daniel's biggest foe. Mike Barnes was not, and here's the reason why: Chosen. This is proven, but Chosen is literally the only. Adversary in the Karate Kid franchise. Out of Daniel's three foes, J- Johnny, Mike, and Chosen. He's the only one that actually landed a hit on Miyagi, even though it wasn't exactly clean. He did manage to make contact with a spear on Mr. Miyagi. And that's something that I mean, he made very if you, you know, made very quick work of Mike Barnes in part three, and very quick work of Johnny and his and his pals in the original. So there's no doubt. That that right there alone is enough to say that Chosen is the most deadly adversary. Now, Mike, he was definitely psychotic, but Mike was only motivated by money. Chosen, money didn't matter to him. You give him money, you don't give him money, he will still. Mike did everything in in part three for money. Chosen did everything to just for honor, for what he thought to be honor, even though he had no clear sense of what honor truly was. But anyways, so all of that to say, Karate Kid part two is is my opinion, even with its flaws, the drum techniques and other, and the fact that it probably should have been the th- third movie instead of the second movie and the third been the second, not, those minor quips Aside, still think it's a worthy sequel and definitely worth checking out if you, perchance, in 2020 have not seen it, even though it's been out for over 30 years by this point. But highly recommend it. All right, stay tuned. We're going to be back to wrap things up after a short break. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Talking Cinema. Remember, if you enjoyed what you listened to, feel free to leave me a rating and subscribe on all the various podcasting platforms. And until next time, this is Christoph Hankerson saying goodbye, and I'll see you next week.